As developers, it's in our nature to create the tools we need when the software we have doesn't offer exactly the right solution. In this episode, I'll talk to someone who has created one of the most successful Now Platform companion products in the ecosystem. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and all of you curious individuals, which I say with the utmost love and respect, welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of talking to the one and only James Neal, co-founder of ShareLogic. How are you today, James? I'm doing well, thank you, Chuck. How are you? I am doing awesome. Great start to the day talking to you. Indeed. Welcome to Breakpoint. And now, before we begin, I always like to get to know our guests. So, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a mid-80s kid. I grew up with Sega consoles and running games from floppy disks on MS-DOS. Um, I've always been building something, whether it's motorized sweet dispensing money boxes made from Lego or tree houses or software. You know, that's what I do now. Um, I really enjoy just creative process of problem solving. And yeah, that's something I'm absolutely passionate about. I think I've been working with ServiceNow uh, for over a decade now, since 2011. Uh, not quite as long as you, Chuck, but I certainly remember the seasonal releases. <laughs> a little bit. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, I co-founded ShareLogic in 2015, and we've got the goal of revolutionizing e-bonding integrations on the Now platform. And you are probably best known in the ecosystem for? Explore the developer utility. And we will yes. get to that in just a moment, but I want to know a little bit more about your history. When you were young, Think back a few years. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, many things. I think I I constantly changed. I, I think I went from wanting to be an airline pilot to an architect. Um, those were probably the two main ones that I switched between. Otherwise, it was um, when I got a bit older, it was end up being just software development and stuff. But then I wanted to avoid that because I didn't want to be a nerd, and uh, that that kind of took my took my direction in in some ways but i came back around and was like Do you know what i love being a nerd so I've, I've owned it and here i am you know doing what i love doing did you go to uh college or university i did for one year but i took a gap year after school so over here you go and um, you do a levels up until you're 18 so i did those and then i took a gap year and because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I didn't, again, I didn't really want to go into computer science. I didn't want to be sat at a desk all day. Uh, funnily enough, what am I doing right now? Um, and so even though I love computers, I didn't want to go into the sort of the super techie side of things on that. So I kind of avoided that. I ended up finding a degree in kind of a mix of computer science and media. So obviously, again, sort of feeding that creative edge. Um, and off the back of that, I sort of did a year of that, realized, this is really not what I expected. Can I just get a job earning what they're saying I could earn at the end of three years and skip all the fees and debt and everything? So I set myself a challenge over the summer after the first year and just looked for a job, landed two, um, that were paying more than I expected. I was like, okay, done. I can go, go and get work experience in the job that I was going to get if I got this anyway. So I actually took a, took a job as a web designer for one whole day and uh, I got home after that and I, and I was considering the other job, which was actually being a, a lighting engineer, uh, on light, smart home, uh, smart lighting, smart AV, that kind of stuff. And I ended up taking that instead because I didn't want to be, uh, say, sat at a desk and 
I love the idea of installing cool equipment and working with that kind of stuff. So yeah, I did that for four or five years, somewhere around there. And that was when I sort of realized, you know what, I do actually want to get back into software development. What can I do? Um, you know, can I find a job in this? And I just started applying for a couple of jobs and just so happened to land with one of the UK partners working with ServiceNow and the rest is history. I like to think that every job we had as we go through our careers, whether they're directly related to our career path or not, have some value, take some takeaway, a lesson learned from that. For example, I had I learned uh, when I was young, I was delivering newspapers and I had to go around every Sunday and collect money. And some of the people weren't home. What do you do? How do you how do you deal with that? Uh, yeah. So there are always takeaways. What did you learn from the the smart lighting job? I learned a lot. Um, I actually spent a lot of time on my own. So I was having to deal with customers. Um, so that was a very sort of early shock into like, okay, these are people who are spending a lot of money on their equipment and I've got to make sure that they're getting what they want and they're happy at the end of the day. Um, I was also having to obviously manage my time, uh, make sure I was prompt, make sure I was, my travel arrangements were all set. You know, I, there was occasions where I was leaving at three o'clock in the morning and getting home at three o'clock in the morning the next day because I was traveling the entire length of the country <laughs> and coming back again. So, oh dear. you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of challenges, a lot of stress, I think, but um, I definitely learned a lot along the way there. And I think what fed into what I do now is probably, you know, that certainly that customer management side of things, you know, um, making sure that they're all happy. And then um, also the time management and just just in general, you know, figuring stuff out for yourself, that, that continuous problem solving, just really refining that. And those do directly impact what you do today. Absolutely, yeah. You know, listen to the customer, make sure they get the value for what they invested in. Listener yeah. to the show, doesn't matter what you do or or you know, if something isn't planned or you're taking a temporary job, find the value in there and you can always apply it. There is always something Absolutely. in every job, whether it's cranking widgets on an assembly line. You know, that's, that's, there's something in there that you can take to a, a, a new career path. When you're not at work, what do you enjoy doing? Well, um, I have four boys with my wonderful wife, Sarah. And so they take up a lot of time. As you can imagine, I've actually handed the Lego mantle down to them. So um, they have so much of it now that, uh, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. And still the grandparents buy them more Lego every year and, you know, it continues to take over the house. Um, I also do enjoy sort of cooking, baking. I uh, used to bake a fair amount of bread, uh, not in the lockdown actually before that, but um, that was kind of fun. And I just, I just kind of cook general meals or like entertaining, doing that sort of, that sort of stuff really. Um, aside from those things, I do a bit of gaming when I get time. I, I think I grew up gaming and I've always been a fan of gaming. I don't, you know, I think there's, I, I love how gaming has become a sort of much wider part of culture now. And it's actually recognized it is, it's not all bad. You know, it's not just a waste of time. You are, you can learn from it. You can problem solve it. You can socialize with it. So, um, like I say, I don't have a lot of time to do that now, but I do enjoy it when I can. And obviously I'm, I can now play computer games with my kids. So, uh, we do that from time to time. And other than that, I do, I enjoy getting out to a walking, um, exploring the countryside, that kind of stuff. So gaming is a great bonding activity, whether it's family or friends. We had, my daughter and her husband out last week and Friday night 
we sat around, we started playing phase 10 card game, and then we uh, moved on to Cards Against Humanity, where <laughs> I completely dominated. But when you start hearing some interesting things come out of your kid's mouth oh, yes. on that game, <laughs> I, I have to keep reminding myself, they are well into their 20s now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still a little shocking sometimes. <laughs> That, that's a game I'm yet to play with my parents. <laughs> I've avoided that one. Yeah, there's a range in there because you know, how often do they have to go look up a term and, and please look it up incognito or DuckDuckGo or something? Yeah. <laughs> do not destroy your search results. I have a fun story about that with a friend, uh, but we'll leave that for another time. Um, so we last saw each other, I believe it, we saw it briefly at Knowledge, but before that we had a pint in London. And I want to know, what is your favorite style of beer? So believe it or not, Chuck, I'm not actually a massive fan of beer. I've, I've sort of um, only recently, I guess, got into drinking a little bit more when I'm out. But it's, again, it's mainly when I'm out. Um, and if I'm out, then I'll enjoy sort of an amber ale, perhaps a dark stout or something, um, much more of the sort of traditional English style of things. Um, I think over in, in the States, you guys like to have sort of a lot of fizzy beer, which doesn't <laughs> always, it's always a bit weird. <laughs> depending, you're depending, yeah, there's there's a style and there's how it should be served, is, is my That's opinion. That's true. I think that goes, that goes everywhere. So um, right. uh, I think we always joke, it's sort of about one in 10 points is good. And you're always on the hunt for that, the thrill of that great point. <laughs> and when you find it, you have 10. <laughs> so, There's a surfing uh, metaphor in there somewhere, you know, looking for the perfect wave. <laughs> like, exactly. One out, of a, one out of every 10 waves you catch is a decent one. Um, yeah. I, I don't know about that part of go by 10 of them, but. <laughs> <laughs> Look, other, than, other than beers, I tend to enjoy a glass of wine. When I'm at, with, when I'm at home on special occasions, uh, I'll go for sort of good single malt whiskey. I think the last really good one I had was a, a Welsh whiskey called Penderyn, which was very tasty. So if you're into single malts, definitely recommend that. All right. I know what we're having next time I come over. Sounds good. All right. Let's turn it a little more towards the career. How did you get your start in service now? So I kind of uh, touched on that a little bit earlier. Obviously, I, I started as a smart lighting and AV installer. And I think, but while I was doing that, I was, I've always been a developer at heart. Um, so while I was doing that, I ended up being uh, doing some side projects, um, you know, building, uh, basically building a GUI-based web platform that had table configurations and apps and configurable forms and lists and things like that. But it was in PHP and MySQL. Um, so I found that way more fun. And what I realized, as I say, was, you know, I didn't really have enough time for that, but I wanted to kind of find a way of thinking could I turn this into my job? Could I could I do what I love doing on the side, full time, professionally, uh, without losing the passion for it, you know, or or anything like that? And um, as you sort of said, you know, I didn't have a degree in computer science, so I did actually go and apply for a startup in London. They turned me down because I didn't have full on Jenkins test experience. So I went and learned Jenkins after that, but it's too late at that point. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then it was just basically finding, fortunate enough to find a, a role with a ServiceNow partner here in the UK who took me on as a junior developer, and then it just progressed from there. How has ServiceNow changed your career? And this could probably take us the rest of the hour, but... <laughs> um, well, I think it's just grand, It's just given a lot of opportunities. You know, I think anyone that gets involved in ServiceNow, there's just opportunities everywhere. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find a problem with a customer or you'll be 
working with or for or whatever, you know, any kind of business that's needing to solve problems. And you can do that with ServiceNow. So in terms of um, where this took me in my career, that was essentially the start of it. You know, I'm, I'm working with, I think this is the story for everyone that gets started out in ServiceNow like this is you're working with customers, you're seeing what the problems are, you're identifying a niche, you're finding that you can fill that niche with your skills and you just get go out there and think, do you know what, we're going to see if I can make a go of this and uh, find people to work with directly and, and make a business from it. And that, that's where we are now. So we're continuing to to build and support and help people um, with their integrations. Let's continue to the journey then. How did ShareLogic come about? Right. So I was, well, obviously I worked with the partner. I then um, ended up getting the opportunity to contract. So started my own small company providing contracting services. And I got pulled onto a job um, with some people I knew over in Switzerland. And um, I needed some help on it. So I actually uh, phoned up my friend Tim and said, hey, uh, you know, are you about? We've got some insane e-bonding integrations to be building they want them to be scalable and all this kind of stuff and uh this is look at they want them done in one month you know uh that's not not possible for four integrations to be done in one month uh, especially not with the complexity that we're talking you know at enterprise level and um so he jumped on and we ended up working non-stop i think we were working till three or four o'clock in the morning almost every night uh, and having an absolute blast and you know that was such a good time that out the back of that, we sort of thought, do you know what? We could potentially make a business out of this. Um, you know, we, 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 we enjoy this. We, it's not, we see a lot more um, to do with kind of the process side of things and not just, um, you know, we're not just sending data from A to B. And with our consulting experience, you know, we can really help people get the most out of, um, you know, their, their platform essentially and, and have something that's going to last long-term, be scalable and, you know, be able to adapt to ongoing future needs and stuff. Um, and literally two, three months after we completed that, we founded SND, which was uh, short Neil developers, but ended up being kind of ServiceNow because ServiceNow have SN. So <laughs> uh, we ended up changing that name after a few years. But we liked SND because obviously um, SNC is the original mm -hmm. ServiceNow kind of scope. Um, and so it worked well in that in that place, but uh, yeah, no one was allowed to have SN or Snow or anything in their name, so we had to comply with that and change the name. So we we took on Whitespace Studios, and uh, the evolution from that was then into ShareLogic because we've we've basically done away with all the other kind of services, and we're literally just purely a a product company now, specialising in our own products and then the services that support those products. And that's a great segue because you mentioned about the e-bonding integrations, which is a great tie-in to my next question. Tell us a little okay. bit about Unify. Absolutely. So Unify is a store application that customers can install to help them build, deploy, and manage complex e-bonding integrations at scale. And you, know, you can build to any external system with an API, uh, but if you have a ServiceNow instance with Unify at both ends, then the whole process just becomes an absolute dream. And this is really the one of the main selling points for um, a lot of our customers, sort of organizations like managed service providers who want to offer the best onboarding processes for their customers. 
And typically, you know, for them setting up an integration between them and their customer could take anywhere from three to six months. And that, you know, also requires the customer to do a huge amount of the work. Uh, you know, that's that's what we ended up getting brought in for. We, 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 these MSPs were saying, hey, we're providing a service. The customer says, yes, we want to integrate. And then they get outsourced and say, hey, come and build this for us. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, but with Unify, the customer barely has to lift a finger. So we're saving a whole lot of time um, and effort and energy there. And I think one of our favorite demos from the product is actually showing the onboarding process for the customer. Because what we can do is wrap everything up into a process that we can demo in 15 minutes, you know, and that's installing the app, installing integration, configuring the connection from end to end. And, you know, we're, we're up and going, you've got a connection from bi-directional, asynchronous, um, you know, all seeing, all dancing between the customer and the, the um, service provider. So that's really powerful. That's what we love a lot. We love a lot about what we do. I was going to say the same thing. That's very powerful. That's an awesome demo. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Got to love that. It's one of those shut up and take my money moments. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with Explore, but just in case they aren't, what's your pitch? What's the origin story? Yeah, sure. So um, Explore is a toolkit that's aimed squarely at developers building on the Now platform. Uh, it's a single page app and the primary feature really is a code editor. You know, that's what's in the screenshots and that's what most people use 99% of the time. Certainly what I use 99% of the time. Um, and the whole point is that it allows you to rapidly prototype and debug your code. Um, you know, it, it's almost, it's akin to the background script in ServiceNow that's native, but um, because it's got so many more features around it, it just makes it, you just forget background scripts. You know, you can come and you can run whatever you want. And where it's powerful is the fact that it, what you run in the script, the output of that is then displayed next to your script. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a glide record, you will see all of the elements within that glide record, all of the field values, all the references, everything. So when you're writing code or debugging things, um, it becomes very, very quick and easy to see what exactly is happening within your script. Um, without having to dive into it. Obviously, there's more tools around now which do help with that. Um, but we do find that it's still an invaluable tool day-to-day -day for almost everything that we do. Um, I think Explore started kind of as a side project very early in my career. I think, like I said to you, when I got started, I got thrown into, um, you know, as a junior developer building stuff. But I very quickly realized that there was a lot of scripting, um, but not so much API documentation. So, you know, and this is this is shared across, I think, all developers who have been doing this for, for some time. Yeah. It's, it's it's always been been tricky. I think they they've definitely done a lot to improve that. And it's great to see that. Um, but obviously that's where it kind of started from. And so I started doing exploratory programming with that. So i I find, oh, there's an API that can use. Well, what can this API do? So I type in the, the method calls, the function calls or whatever, and I see what um, what they're taking, how many parameters they take or what the output is from them. And then I can figure out, right, this one back in the day, you know, is returning a Java object out the back, right? What can I do with that Java object? Um, so really, really powerful in, you know, speeding up how I was able to solve problems uh, for the platform and for our customers. And then um, obviously because it's exploratory programming, that is where the name came from. 
this explore this exploratory programming. I never knew that. That's yep. that's an awesome tidbit of, of where the name came from. Exactly, and it's it's X floor with an with an X, not an EX. <laughs> I've seen some people put the E on the on the <laughs> beginning, but uh, well, have you made a short or a vanity URL yet? Yes, there you can go to exploretoolkit.com. So look no at that. Me. Look at that. Yeah. I knew it had to be out there. I didn't know it until now. <laughs> there you go. Um, should, should publish it a bit more, I guess. It's also available on the ServiceNow developer portal under the share. I, like I said, it's the most downloaded uh, share artifact that we've got. I mean, thousands yes. and thousands of developers are using this. That's how powerful and valuable it is. I, I got to ask you, what is the most underutilized feature or trick that's in there that you're, you're, you're proud of, but maybe nobody knows or they're not using it as they should? It's like, this is the tidbit I want to release. There, it's a great question. There is so much in Explore that um, I've put in there over the years that probably I'm the only person that uses half the stuff that's in there. I <laughs> hear you. <laughs> I, I think... <laughs> Probably it's it's not necessarily hidden, but it's certainly one that when you realize or when when I've shown people and they go, they get it, they're like, wow. And that is going to be the regular expression tester. Because mm. um, I don't know if you've ever tried to sort of do regular expressions in ServiceNow, or certainly from certainly before ES5 as well, it was even more difficult. But they would, if you're testing your expression, you'll generally test it on like a website. Right. And that'll be using a different regular expression um, engine to test with, and that will work perfectly well. You'll then port your regular expression into ServiceNow and nothing will work. So the whole point of that was, right, let's test it in ServiceNow with ServiceNow code, and we can get immediate feedback. So you can paste in the text that you want to you know, do your perform your regular expression against, and then you can just type your regular expression, and it's going to show you all of the matches that happen with it um, in real time and you know using the service now native technology i like it that's awesome i didn't know that was there i, I may have yeah. known it at one point and forgot but i'm glad you pointed that up because uh, as the old expression goes i used to have a problem then i thought i'd solve it with regular expressions now i have two problems do you know what i've I've never heard that expression before. Oh, it's been around the internet forever. I think it came up in a <laughs> Usenet news group in like 1985 or something. I, I do have the history on that, but I forgot where it came from. Amazing. I've, do you know what, I've, I've always loved regular expressions, which is something I don't find many people do. They are so powerful. They really are. Just learning the fundamentals of them can save you so much time in a lot of you know, match and replace and you know, other methods that that do some of that. But when you when you start tokenizing things and putting them into uh, what are the match groups, yep, very powerful. Yes, it does. And one one of the benefits as well on the page is it's got um, a whole list of all the expression sort of syntax, so you can kind of go there for a reference as well. So you don't need to leave service now. As all good regular expression tools should. <laughs> Don't just give yes. me a blank canvas. <laughs> Tell me what the difference between backslash W and backslash capital W is. So, James, what would you say you're passionate about? Again, another great question. Um, I think I'm actually fortunate enough that almost everything I do now is because I am or have been passionate about it. So when I get up in the morning, you know, it's I'm well, seeing my kids, obviously, but then I'm going to work to do a job that I broadly love. You know, I think there's, there's definitely aspects of every job that you have to do that, um, you know, there's things that 
that you'd rather uh, someone else did or you didn't have to do all together, but um, that's just part and parcel of life. But I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it is developing, it's problem solving, it's creativity. Um, and, you know, it's, it's helping others. And I think that's part of, you know, really what comes into what we do and why we're so passionate about the integration side of things and solving those problems because they are big problems for people. And again, with Explore, um, you know, it's, whilst it was a problem for me, I know that it's a problem for a lot of people. So making it free and available to everyone, again, you know, just really, I'm passionate about doing that kind of stuff. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. I am Alex Sanginov, the host of Analytics at ServiceNow podcast series, where we bring you the ins and outs of leading a successful analytics team to run the company, yes, you guessed it, by data. Topics ranging from thought leadership, data and analytics strategy, a real-world perspective into a day in a life of all the analytics roles and all things data. If you want to take your first step into becoming data-driven, I invite you to join the analytics community by visiting servicenow.com forward slash analytics at now so you won't miss a data. That's again servicenow.com forward slash analytics at now. Hey, right, you ready for a real quick game of Never Have I Ever? Yes, absolutely. Have you heard of this game before? I, ha- I have indeed. I should mention that these are also from the uh, Slack channel. I went out to the, I think it was the Dev MVPs, and I said, give me some examples. So this is uh, contributed, what, crowdsourced. This is crowdsourced. Love it. Okay. Never Have I Ever Built a Solution, and then ServiceNow came out with their own version of it. Um, well, I have built a solution and ServiceNow came out with their own version uh, several times. In fact, um, many years ago, I discovered a framework called Jasmine, which you could use to test JavaScript code. Uh, I thought this was fantastic. So I started porting it to ServiceNow. Um, I, at, at the point, you know, at that point in time, it was really complex. We were only, we went on ES5 at that point. This was the old Rhino engine and it took a lot of time and effort to figure out exactly how to get everything to work. Um, but I did that and I actually, so I pulled a, a framework for Jasmine into ServiceNow and then they released ATF. Uh, then I had some interesting talks with people um, in the meantime, or some, some ServiceNow project, product managers, should I say, who knew Integration Hub was coming before I did. And um, it turned out that I'd named my product Spoke, which they were very, <laughs> they were like, what do you know? So that, that was some fun conversations. <laughs> I was just throwing darts at a dartboard one day. Yep. Well, it was, I was like, it's, it's the spokes on the wheel. It's the testing. It's, it's what makes everything work. Um, so that, that was kind of, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And then there's also been um, a, a few more times. Well, there's been one where I've been sitting at Knowledge. I, I honestly can't remember exactly what it was now. But we was I was sitting there with with some friends, and um, we were like, and they literally announced exactly what we were planning. Oh, you said it was still in the works. It, well, yeah, we'd we'd done it. I think we we'd finished it, but it was not fully launched. And then service now go, ta da! <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> and we we're just sitting there going, 
face palm. Like, really? <laughs> Give us your roadmap. <laughs> right. And we, we still hear that today. And we, we are working on it with the MVPs to, you know, get them earlier in the development cycle initially so you know we can get a thumbs up and thumbs down particularly on things like developer tools like is this gonna work so uh never have i ever been so confused by someone else's code that i opted to rewrite it from scratch and that someone else could include yourself how can anyone say never have i ever or to that question honestly <laughs> well then give me what's the story i have definitely been confused by someone else's code that i rewrote it from scratch and that has often been me so um uh yeah i've absolutely thrown entire scripts away um and i think just you know sometimes it's just better to start from scratch there's there's been several times where you know you come back in maybe someone uh the, the person that wrote it isn't there anymore so you can't talk to them to figure out what they were thinking or you look at your own code and you go what on earth was i thinking uh and it's just it's much easier to just be you know, just straight up with it and take the hit and do away with it and start again. I think there's there's obviously two ways of doing that. There's there's one which is like I'm superior and therefore my code must reign supreme over all other code. Um, and there's also the the less, <laughs> the less um, you know, uh, or the kinder approach, which is I just don't understand this or this doesn't work. And I think those those are the two that I really um, really the sort of causes for doing that there's also the time and experience that goes into the new version as well there absolutely is yeah if you look if i looked at something i wrote in 2009 or 10 as a customer i'm sure i would cringe and just go oh my gosh what yep. was i doing there was a point where i still had a lot of legacy programming skills as i was fresh to service now as we all do you draw mm -hmm. on your past experience and i had what was it six check boxes on a form and I somehow mapped those into bit positions in one byte. Like, because that's kind of what you do in C to save space. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I've never gone that far with ServiceNow. But. I mean, there was, it, it, I think it's the only time in ServiceNow that I ever used you know, the left, left or the right, yeah. right, uh, yeah. you know, to do bit shifting and a single pipe ors and ands. Like, what a waste of time. <laughs> yes. But do you know what what's great? That that's what I learned doing my building my own platform, you know, in PHP, because it yes. was like, right, this database, I I care about the scale here. Um, and it's it's only when you sort of get into that back end stuff that you suddenly realize, hold on a second, this does matter. You know, we don't we don't have well, we certainly didn't have infinite space back then. I don't think it's much much of an issue anymore. But um Interesting, yeah. I think that the the main one for me is just like you know you you pull up a script, you wrote it, or, or you scroll down, you say who wrote this, and you scroll down, and <laughs> find it's you, and and there's <laughs> just like the WTF was I thinking, you know, in this moment, <laughs> yes, <laughs> when I wrote this, <laughs> and, and and somewhere in there there's a comment that says don't touch this, I don't know how it works, but don't touch this, and it's yes. your comment. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that's inviting right there. I mean, this is this is another. Uh, you know, one of those best practices, people, even if you never think you're ever going to see this code again, document it for your future self, if nobody else, to understand. Absolutely. I have a script include that goes off into script actions and flows, and it's to calculate the gamification points on something. And honestly, if I hadn't written that, written that down before I started... I wouldn't have known how to architect it. But now I go back and say, why isn't this working? Or how come this isn't doing what I expected? There it is. 
eight lines that says, first this happens, then this happens, and it goes here and it calls this so helpful. If Just put those notes, design notes, uh, into the comments field on a script include or into the description field on a business rule that's not on the form by default. Plug, plug. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, let's do one more. Never have I ever deleted sample data, only to find out it wasn't sample data. Do you know what I can honestly answer? Never have I ever. I you haven't. haven't. But I kind of have one better. I ran a background script that deleted the entire CMDB. In production. Of In production of 4.2. <laughs> well, see, okay, so it wasn't quite sample <laughs> data, but it was one of those. <laughs> I'm just playing on the nuance here. Explicative. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Oh, and what awesome. what did you do? Were you able to recover everything? Was it? Oh wait, was this pre or post? Um, what was it? New York when we came out with the recovered deleted files. Gosh, how long ago was it? This was six, seven years ago now. Okay, so it was the but, simple go get the recovered deleted files, it, not it not the complex one that went down the references and related yes. stuff. Yes. And did and, that solve? Did that help and fix your problem? Um, I'm trying to think now. I think. We either, I think we did that, and that worked on a number of occasions. There was definitely one time where we had to roll back at the database on the, the um, network center, sorry, data center level. Okay. Right. So, I was really glad when we came out with a new feature that went beyond yes. just deleted file, or what was it? Deleted records. Deleted records deleted was the records. simple one. Yep. But what that did, if you had a cascade delete, that too bad you know that yep. wasn't good enough and uh well, exactly all the relationships were lost so right, deleted all the right. <laughs> so a couple of years ago several releases ago we came out with a feature that said i'm going to track all of this stuff and give you an undo button for uh it could be horrifically time consuming but it could actually save your bacon uh, as we've all discovered so yep. oh man the horror stories we could tell and the the more we could play this game. I, I want to inject this into more of these interviews. It's kind of fun. We'll do different questions for different people. Okay, last question. What word of advice do you have for new developers listening to this? Um, I, I get, there's probably a couple, I guess. I think one of them is just learn JavaScript properly. Don't, don't learn, learn, learn ServiceNow JavaScript, but learn the fundamentals and, you know, proper JavaScript because it will stand you in good stead for this job and the next. So I think understanding what the code is doing is important. Um, don't, don't end up just being a copy paste coder because that whilst you can get by with that, I'd say, don't, don't leave that as, you know, the place that you stop, figure out what's happening and um, figure it out. The other, the other one I think is um, probably functional programming. Definitely look into that because that saves there's obviously there's different paradigms of programming that you can look into, but coming back to your comment on comments, you know, and, and putting comments throughout your code, functional programming does a lot to reduce the need for that because, you know, your, your functions are only doing one thing. And mm -hmm. the fact that you can name your functions, as long as you pick up good naming conventions and stuff, you know, you can actually pretty well easily describe what you're doing by the function that you're calling. So don't, don't be lazy on that kind of stuff. Um, and that, that's definitely something I think I probably picked that up probably five years ago, maybe six. And that's made a huge, huge difference in the way that we code and, and our future proofing, you know, in terms of coming back to code, understanding it years later, 
um, and being able to maintain it, modify it, extend it, all of that kind of stuff. It's really, really powerful. And one other I'll say as well for free is um, design your code up front before you write anything. And I think we, we Tim and I did a session on this um, at Knowledge a couple of years ago. Um, and it's a really powerful way to kind of flush out all the bugs and flush out all the thinking of coding before you start coding. You know, I think when you're, it's, it's everyone wants to just get stuck in and start writing a script, which is fantastic. But when you get a thousand lines into that script, you're, you don't want to go back. You don't want to rewrite stuff. You get lazy, you get, you know, um, you just want to finish what you're doing and spending a little bit of time to draw a diagram and name, you know, draw some flows as to everything that you need to do, map, uh, decide on what your classes are going to be called, decide on your function names. You know, this flow, this process here that I want to call, I'm going to call that this, and that's going to be descriptive, you know, and, get, and do it with someone else as well and just run through that whole process. And you can literally save yourself days, months, you know, years of effort and pain by, by just having a quick two-hour meeting up front and running through with someone, um, you know, a quick design. And then off the back, go and code it. I think the, the greatest story I have on that is um, the, uh, with with the comp, well, so with Sherlock, we had a new feature coming out um, with Unify, and we were at the pub. And in the, the case of over the course of two or three hours, we discussed and mapped out exactly how we were going to solve this problem and build this new feature. And we spent the next day drawing designs, writing down our class maps, diagrams, all of that kind of stuff, figuring out what tables we needed to support it all. And the next day we built it and it worked perfectly first time. Wow. That never happens. First time. Being able to do that, that never first time. And that, that was literally writing the code, writing the classes, you know, because all we had to do once we, again, coming back to that functional programming side of things, once you've got right. all of your names mapped out, you're just filling in the blanks. And that's easy. You know, there's there's obviously some some challenges come across with certain little things here and there, but um, when you think about it up front, it does save a lot of time. It does. It it's odd to think that because mm. you it, it's a bit like I have to do a presentation, so you reach immediately for PowerPoint. That's like starting the <laughs> script. Going, you haven't yep. thought this through yet, have you? You haven't prepared. You haven't mentally. And and if you do this right. I mean, sometimes if it's just a trivial task, I will write the comments for the script first because that will tell me what my mm -hmm. function inputs need to be. That will tell me my function outputs would be what other resources I'm using within that class. And oh, just absolutely. by writing that out, I think through, is this two parameters or is it three parameters? If it's three parameters, should it be an object that I'm passing in here? Maybe I should just pass the whole glide record. Then I have everything. You know, you go through that mental exercise every yeah. time. And that really helps you flesh out what is it you're trying to do? What does this thing have to accomplish? And that in itself is, is a wonderful exercise. And you can go to the other extreme. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you do that, you get free comments too, because you've already thought about it and written it down. Exactly. If, <laughs> if you go to the other extreme, there are uh, case tools, computer-aided software engineering that you, know, you document your data flow diagrams and your function diagrams, and you, know, you can really go full on. If you've got a team of a dozen people writing software for this application, then you may want to look at something like that yes. to help document and really define, uh, especially if you're a contractor. This is something that I was related to in my former life, and I remember them going through the whole 
requirements study and and yeah, it's a it's a big project, but it really pays off. And you have to have deliverables for your customer if you're doing contract work. You have to, and and that was one of them is how does this software work? Because somebody needs to maintain it later mm-hmm. and it may be you and you don't want to be going, what was I smoking that day? Because this makes absolutely no sense and now I have to tear it down and rebuild it. Wow, that was a fun tie back to Never Have I Ever. <laughs> that was. <laughs> and on that note, let's tell the listener how they can get in touch with the one and only James Neal. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously I'm on LinkedIn. So just James Neal. Um, I don't know if there's any other way. Founder of ShareLogic, I think I'm on there. Um, and then Twitter, James underscore Neil as well. And I don't have a website because I think even though I've built loads of them in the past, I've never been able to set up a personal one. <laughs> it's, it's in the works, I guess. Um, yeah. I want to point out that Neil is N-E-A-L-E. There is a James Neil without the E at ServiceNow. So don't get the wrong James Neal and go, this oh, that's the one at ServiceNow. I recently discovered that while I was trying to communicate with you. It's not the right picture. I know that's not the right picture. I've seen this guy in real life. There we go. Thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcasts. You can find them at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu or go to servicenow.com slash podcast. Subscribe to any or all of them to get them automatically delivered to you for free. And again, James, thank you so much today for joining us and sharing a wealth of information. Thanks, Chuck. It's been a blast. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Let me try that again. <laughs> Let me try that again. Let me try that again. Because uh, I, I completely missed my intro. Come on, brain. <clears throat> try that again. A little bit of editing today. It's also available on the uh, ServiceNow develop. De- As the old expression goes, not to pun that. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm going to back up. I missed one. Let's strike that question. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And on that, we are done.